We'll reach the cliffs by dawn. Why are you doing that? Are you sure nobody's follow us? That would be inconceivable. Despite what you think, you will be caught. And when you are, the prince will see you all hanged. Stop doing that. We can all relax. It's almost over. You're sure nobody's follow us? As I told you, it would be absolutely, totally, and in all other ways, inconceivable. Out of curiosity, why do you ask? Sorry, sir. Suddenly, I just happened to look behind us and something is there. Look! It's right on top of us! I wonder if he's using the same wind we are using. Whoever he is, he's too late! See? The cliffs of insanity! climbing the rope and is gaining on us inconceivable faster i thought i was going faster in the horde. I don't think it means what you think it means. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to worship today. Uh, my name is Amanda Neppel. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope, and I want to extend a special welcome to those of you here in this room, uh, those of you that are joining us online. We believe it's no accident that you're here today. Uh, whatever brought you here to worship today, we have been praying for you, and we believe that God is up to something powerful here today. That clip that you saw was from the movie The Princess Bride, which is, has a very fond place in my heart from my childhood. Uh, that movie came out in 1987 which explains a lot of the rather sketchy special effects. But in 1987, it was awesome, right? Anyway, uh, that movie has a lot of like really quotable lines in it. And one of them is just that word that you heard uh, Vassini, the main bad guy's character, uh, what you heard him say again and again. And that word is inconceivable. And the thing with Vassini is this. He believes that in any given room, no matter where he is, that he is going to be the smartest person in the room. Like he believes that he has more understanding. Uh, he's got a better brain than anybody else. And so what that means is, is that every single time something happens that kind of flies in the face of his plan or challenges what he believes to be true, instead of being able to adapt or adjust, he doesn't do that because he's always right. So he just declares, inconceivable. 
Like that's supposed to like fix it and make it better. And this determination that he has to not actually deal with reality and allow himself to not have to be the smartest person in any given situation uh, ultimately is what causes his demise. I know I gave that away, but the movie is 31 years old, so it's okay. <laughs> so instead of being able to adjust, instead of being able to change his mind, he just declares it inconceivable and goes along with his day. And I feel like it's an appropriate way to start our sermon today as we continue on with this sermon series where uh, the idea of what we're looking at is some of Jesus' most shocking statements. And the title of our series for a while is Say What? What are these statements that Jesus is making? What, what is it that Jesus is up to? And sometimes we have some preconceived notions about what it is that Jesus, what Jesus has for us. And sometimes those things that we kind of maybe think we already understand get in the way of us understanding what it was that Jesus actually had to say. So that's what we're going to look at today. In particular, this statement uh, that Jesus makes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, when Jesus says, blessed are the persecuted. What? Inconceivable. I do not understand how it is that Jesus could possibly say that we should celebrate and be happy when people lie about us or slander us or uh, do all sorts of evil against us simply for being his followers. This, at first glance, does not seem to make much sense to me. <laughs> and that's what we're going to look at today, uh, is why Jesus would have the, the audacity to say such a thing. And so the statement that Jesus makes, blessed are the persecuted, it comes in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10, which is part of a, a thing that Jesus has been doing that in your Bible, it's probably called the Beatitudes. It's Matthew 5, verses 3 through 10, where Jesus goes through this list of blessed are. And you see this in your Bible, and it says Beatitudes, and if you're like me, you're like, I don't know what that word means. Like, it sounds like beautiful, right? Which is fair, but Beatitudes, what a Beatitude is, is literally it comes from the same root word as blessed. So, like, your Bible might say God blesses or blessed are. Beatitude just comes from that same Latin word. So, when we talk about the Beatitudes, it's just the list of blessings, that we get here. And so this idea of the Beatitudes, and Jesus says, blessed are the persecuted for doing what is right, is one of the blessings, okay? And it comes in this larger context of the Sermon on the Mount. And when we start to think about all this, like, okay, we got the Beatitudes, we got the Sermon on the Mount, all of these words, if we're going to be honest, they sound kind of churchy, don't they? Like, nobody else talks like that. So what is the Bible actually trying to get at? What does the Bible actually want us to understand? Well, we talked about what the beatitude is. It's just the blessing, the list of blessings that Jesus talks about in this discourse. But the Sermon on the Mount, nothing magical about it. It literally is just the time where Jesus was on a mountainside and he was giving a sermon. That's all that it is. Nothing like especially uh, overly spiritual about the Sermon on the Mount. It's just that it's the first time that Jesus really begins his teaching in Matthew's gospel. So it's not inaccessible to us. It's not beyond our reach. It's just this list of blessings that Jesus gave that time when he went up on the mountain and started talking to people. But even in that, though, when we look at this list of things, we see blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Blessed are those who are humble. <laughs> it doesn't necessarily sound like a list we want to be on, does it? But at the same time, Jesus says these things. Jesus says that these are the people that God blesses. 
And so I feel like we read this and we kind of come to this idea, and I understand how we do, we kind of end up in this way of thinking that maybe, based on this list, uh, maybe God prefers people who are kind of doormats and kind of passive to people who are those who are kind of type A personalities, get or done personalities. Like if we're looking at this list and thinking, okay, if these are the kind of people that God prefers, I'm not so sure that God would prefer me. I don't know how many of those things I can actually check off. But in reality, Jesus is actually doing something really interesting here. Jesus is actually talking to a particular group of people in a particular circumstance. And so if we want to understand what it is that Jesus is truly saying and how the people who heard him would have received that, we have to back up just a little bit. Sometimes the verses and the chapters in our Bibles, sometimes they throw us off a little bit. And the reason that happens is because like Matthew or when any of the authors of the Bible, when they were doing their writing, they weren't writing in chapters and verses or headings either. That's like things that say, you know, like the Beatitudes. They weren't doing that. Those things were added later by an editor to help it make it, help make it easier for us to find stuff, which is great. But then sometimes those headings kind of trip us up a little bit because we think that Matthew is starting a whole new thought here at the beginning of chapter 5 because that's what we're used to. That's how things usually work. But actually, Matthew chapter 5 is closely related to what's going on the last couple verses of Matthew chapter 4. So let's take a look at that. Matthew writes, News about Jesus spread as far as Syria, and people soon began bringing to him all who were sick. And whatever their sickness or disease, or if they were demon-possessed or epileptic or paralyzed, he healed them all. Large crowds followed him wherever he went. In the very next sentence, Matthew goes on to describe where those crowds came from. And then the next thing Matthew says is, One day, as Jesus saw the crowds gathering, Jesus went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples gathered around him, and he began to teach them. He began to teach them from a side of a mountain. Now, Matthew has just told us exactly what this crowd looks like, right? These are people who are kind of desperate. These are people who are not, they're not, they're not having their best day. Like, they're sick. They have traveled from a long ways. And I, if you imagine this crowd that he describes at the end of chapter 4, if it were 2021, this crowd of people wouldn't be people who are like lined up to hear a seminar on how to maximize productivity. These people, if it were 2021, they're not like waiting around to get some really good advice. If it were 2021, these people, they would be the people who are like lined up after a natural disaster for basic necessities. If it were 2021, these are the people uh, by the thousands under a bridge hoping for the best. This is the crowd that Jesus is speaking into. So when Jesus looks at this crowd of people, <clears throat> he looks at them and he says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. He is not giving us a list of character traits that he would like us to aspire to. 
Jesus is preaching to specific people in a very specific situation who he knows are indeed poor in spirit based on the circumstances that they are in right now. And what Jesus says to them when you understand that is incredibly revolutionary. It's incredibly powerful. Jesus says, you who are poor in spirit, you are blessed in spite of everything. And the reason that you are blessed is because the actual, literal kingdom of heaven is standing right in front of you. The kingdom of heaven and everything that it represents is looking them in the eyeball. They're within earshot of the things that the kingdom of heaven is saying to them in the middle of their circumstances, in the middle of being poor in spirit, in the middle of their mourning, in the middle of longing for justice and peace. Jesus knows exactly who he is speaking to when he says, you are blessed because the kingdom of heaven is right here with you. And he says, in the kingdom of heaven, what you're going to begin to see glimpses of is how these things are going to come into their fullness, how those who are humble will be exalted, how those of you that are longing for justice, you will receive it. This is what you're going to begin to see now, and when the kingdom comes in fullness, it's going to be the eternal opposite day, because you know the world doesn't often operate like this, but this is exactly how the kingdom of heaven operates. Jesus is looking at a particular group of people facing a particular set of circumstances and he is saying something very important to them and to us about how the kingdom of heaven is intimately acquainted with the brokenhearted, is especially close to those with broken hearts, especially close to those who long, those who thirst, those who cry out. And we can go all the way through that list, all the way down to the persecuted, those who are persecuted for doing what is right. In the name of Jesus, the kingdom of heaven is especially close in those circumstances and in people whose hearts are burdened. <clears throat> when we talk about this idea of, of persecution and blessed are the persecuted, those who are lied about and slandered and, and face all sorts of evil because they are my followers. <clears throat> I feel like in the last couple of years, I've heard that word used in the North American church in some specific situations. <clears throat> and I just think, to be honest, hope that we got to be real careful with that. I think if we're going to use the word persecuted in our, in our North American context, I think that it would do us really good to consider that there are places in the world, and not just a few, there are places in the world where a gathering like this would be enough to get each of us killed. That that's real. <clears throat> and so when we think about those places, China's, there's a list of 20 uh, most difficult countries for a Christian. China's back on that list again. North Korea has been on that list since the time North Korea became a nation. Certainly Afghanistan will soon be back on that list if it isn't already. <clears throat> there are people who don't get to do this. Not by any stretch of the imagination. So what we are called to do in that place is just to remember those things and then to pray. Our brothers and sisters in those parts of the world, they need our prayers. And in fact, Paul writes in 1 first, uh, first Corinthians that if one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. Imagine you stub your little toe, right? You stub your little toe. I'm willing to bet you cry out to God when you stub your little toe or something. <laughs> right? This is what we're talking about. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. So we pray 
for our Christian brothers and sisters who are facing circumstances where this kind of a gathering threatens their lives. We pray. It's not the consolation prize. It's our first line of defense because we know that God hears our prayers and God is moving and working. And then, in addition to praying, when other opportunities come along, then we participate in those other opportunities as well. There are about 700 Afghan refugees who are making their way to Iowa. And Lutheran Church of Hope is partnered with the organizations who are determined and dedicated to getting these folks what they need and getting them back on their feet so that they can start new lives. This is who we are. This is what we do. When one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. So we lift that up to God and we cry out to God. And we ask God to save them and to deliver them. And honestly, we ask anytime, Jesus, when you're ready to come back, we'd be ready for that, right? Now, in all of that, I don't want you to give the idea. I don't want to give you the idea that I think that it's like super easy to be a Christian in the world in 2021. Because I don't think that it's super easy to do that. And in fact, Jesus told us in John chapter 3, verse 19, Jesus said, the, dark, the, light, the light came into the world. The darkness didn't recognize it. Why? Because the world actually prefers the darkness. And so in practical terms, here's what this means. We can be living our lives, we can, be, we can be making our choices, doing our day-to-day things, and find ourselves in this place where we're just kind of like tiptoeing into something that maybe at that point, it's not that big of a deal, but could easily turn into something else. Could easily turn into the path to darkness. And the world, for the most part, will be cheering for you the whole way. Come on in. The water's great. This party is awesome. You're going to want to be here. It's so fun here. Why? Because the world tends to love the darkness more than the light. You can imagine like being attracted to or seeing to whatever is happening over there, thinking it looks like fun, getting into that. And then imagine you're in like a dark room because you figured out that this party isn't as fabulous as you thought it was going to be. And you can see the door and there's light on the other side of it and you're trying to like get to it. But there are people there who are holding you back because you looking for the light threatens them. It challenges them, so they really would prefer you stay in that dark room. I mean, that's kind of the stuff out of a nightmare, right? Or you pay for that when you go to a haunted house. (laughs) Some people do. I don't don't do that. (laughs) Nope, nope, that would not be good for me. Um, But it tries to draw you back in. It tries to get you sucked back into this place where at least the people around you who are really celebrating the ways that you are joining them in this party that turns out to be kind of terrible, that's what the world does. So yeah, it's going to be difficult. If you're a family and you're traveling for sports or music or whatever, if you're the only family that is trying to figure out where to worship or when you can watch a service online while everybody else is doing dinner or brunch or whatever, it's going to be difficult. It's going to be difficult. The world would rather see you go along to get along. If you're a student right now, uh, I am currently under the opinion that this actual school year is about the hardest time to be a student that I can ever imagine. The stuff that our students, those of you that are students in this room, the things that you are dealing with, the junk that's going around on social media that everybody thinks is fantastic, and you're just trying to, like, not participate in some of these things because you know in your heart that it's not good for you, but everybody else around you thinks it's funny or thinks it's it's whatever. Our students need our prayers. Hope, they really do. It 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 is a jungle 
out there. And when you pray for the students and God hears those prayers, it works out pretty well for the teachers and the administrators as well. So pray for our students. They are up against it. Of course, students, it's going to be difficult with the circumstances that you are facing. It's unparalleled. I've never seen anything like it. The world loves the darkness more than it loves the light. And this is what Jesus understood. So when Jesus said, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you, he says, be glad. Remember, even the prophets were were treated the same. Even the prophets were persecuted in the same way. The prophets were the heroes of the Israelite faith. They were the ones who stood up for righteousness and they stood up for God when everyone around them was busy playing in the mud, didn't want anything to do with it. The prophets are the ones who were continuing to speak truth and do what was right. Elijah up here, uh, he was ministering um, and during a time where the queen had killed every other prophet of capital G, God. Every other prophet had been killed. He was the only one left. And he's in this contest on the side of a mountain, Mount Carmel. And God is close to him. Because remember, when we're up against it, God is close to us. And so God was close to Elijah. And there was this contest between Elijah and all of the the, uh, prophets of the little G gods. And Elijah was victorious in this contest on Mount Carmel. Down there at the bottom, there's uh, Daniel. Excuse me. Daniel in the lion's den. Do you know how Daniel got in the lion's den? It wasn't by what he was saying. It was just by literally doing what he was called to do. It was just by literally worshiping God is what landed Daniel in the lion's den. And remember, God's close to the brokenhearted and the the pressed and the pushed. And God was with Daniel and kept the mouths of the lions closed that night. We're thinking about the same time frame all through the Psalms. We can see these places where, like, for example, in Psalm 40, it says, I waited patiently for the Lord to help me. And he turned to me and he heard my cry. Praise God. He turned to me. He heard my cry. And it's just as many other places in the Psalms and in the prophets, we hear, oh, Lord, how long? How long, Lord? Do you know that it's, it's really interesting to me that this, uh, these things can live together simultaneously? These, I waited patiently for the Lord, and while I'm waiting patiently, Lord, I'm just curious, how long? Have you ever felt that way? Committed to doing what is right? Committed to see what God is up to in the world in the same way? Feeling, feeling as though you don't know how long? You're not the only one. Patiently for the Lord, he inclined and heard my cry. He lift me up out of the pit, out of the miry clay. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. How long? 
set my feet upon a rock and made my footsteps firm. Many will see, many will see and hear. I will sing, sing a new song. I will sing, sing a new song. How long to sing this song? God's word is so incredible and so beautiful in that the words of this psalmist from centuries ago have so much meaning for us today. Like, it's God's living word. Like, it didn't just get written and then left there in this dusty pile only to to, to just languish on the pages, right? Like, it comes alive to us. Even now, like, it came alive to an Irish-born songwriter who then would end up leading a band called U2 where they would take the words of Scripture, the words of the psalmist, the words of the prophets, and they would say together in one song, Lord, I'm waiting patiently for you to set my feet. I will sing a new song in the middle of that time while I wait. And also, God, how long? Like, I can do both of those things. I think sometimes we get it in our head that it's an either or. Like, it's either uh, wait patiently or ask how long. But the psalmist and this modern psalm that we just heard a second ago reminds us it's both. We, We cry out to the Lord. We sing a new song. And we also are okay to ask how long. I find myself asking how long. Do you? I bet you do. How long, God, before your kids start to actually act like brothers and sisters? How long, God, before we figure out that, God, if you wanted a world of black and white, that you wouldn't have given us all of these incredible colors in the middle? Lord, how long before we figure out, or how long before we experience Jesus bringing to completion what Jesus started in the sermon on the mountainside that time. How long? And I think it's one of the most honest things we can do to come to God in that space and to trust him. It is a huge act of trust to bring those kinds of questions to God and to believe that he's not angry in the asking, but to believe that God is close to the brokenhearted. We were going to do an event here in 2020 November of 2020, um, and we were really looking forward to it in women's ministry. Uh, Beth Mora was going to come here to West Des Moines, and we were really excited about that. And we started selling tickets before COVID, and even when COVID kind of started, we just kept on selling them because we thought, well, surely by November of 2020, this is going to be done. Silly us, right? 
<clears throat> so when it became obvious that we weren't going to be able to have the event and we had to cancel the event that day, um, we were like, well, this is super disappointing. So we decided to throw together some things, and, and we did an online event. And we called this online event Instead, because we are super creative. And so, <laughs> so we called it Instead. Instead of having Beth Moore come, we'll get to, you can get together in your homes, and we'll put out some online content, and you can play games, and you can have fun. And also, instead of sitting at home and feeling sorry for ourselves, because honestly, that's what I wanted to do right? Instead of doing that, let's get together uh, in, your, in your homes with your friends, however many of you you feel comfortable having. So that's what we did. And then uh, Beth Moore did a little video for us that we put out on our Facebook page, and she is coming in November of 2021. We are really excited about that, so just a little over a month. Um, but she put this video out, and it still lives on our Facebook page, where she said, first of all, she liked the name of our event, and then she also said, reminded us, she said, you know, God always knew. God always knew this is what you were going to be doing. Even when you were hoping it was going to be something different, God always knew that you'd be getting together in small groups tonight in your homes and that this is what you'd be doing. And I will have to say that when she said that, I found so much comfort in that, that God was not shaken or confused or surprised by any of these things, but that God was with us through all of it, the highs and the lows and the ups and downs. And I felt like at that time, trying to do ministry, trying to be faithful to, uh, to what I was trying to figure out what I was called to do in that time, in that space. Honestly, I felt like I was sitting on a trampoline, you know, the ones that are like tall off the ground. I felt like I was at the edge of it and there was no net. And there's some kid in the middle named COVID who's just like jumping away like a maniac, right? And I'm just trying to not fall off the side of the trampoline. That's how I felt. And she said, God always knew. And, and in that space of uncertainty, I felt like I was crying out to God, God, how long? This isn't fun. This is really difficult. How long? And it felt like God said, you know what? <clears throat> a little bit longer. A little bit longer than you want. But if you're willing to see it, there's some really beautiful things happening here in the meantime as well. <sighs> That's what Jesus did when he showed up on the side of the mountain that day telling folks about who it is that God blesses. Jesus, Jesus showed up into the hurt and the longing and the suffering and the pain. Jesus stepped right into the middle of it and said to them, you are blessed, not because of your suffering, not because there's something holier than thou about suffering, but you are blessed because God is close to the brokenhearted. And the kingdom of heaven is standing literally right in front of you. The kingdom of heaven is looking you in the eye. The kingdom of heaven wants you to know that when this thing gets set to completion, when this thing gets set right, everything that you long for the holiness, the righteousness, the goodness, the love, the mercy, the grace, all of those things that you are hoping for, you will see them in eternity. Yes, but you will even begin to see them in glimpses right now because the kingdom of heaven is here. And we are reminded and we know that because of the spirit of Jesus, because of Holy Spirit with us and keeping us and guiding us, the kingdom of heaven is just as present with us right here, right now, as it ever was with Jesus on the side of the mountain 
done with those people that he was looking in the face. There is no difference between the proximity of the kingdom of heaven then or now. The kingdom of heaven is with us here and now. And that is how, friends, that is how in the middle of just being weary and being tired and being tired of being sick and, and all these different things that we long for, the, the justice and the, and the peace that we long for, in the middle of that, Holy Spirit comes to us and gives us exactly what we need moment by moment to, you know what, to keep not quitting. Because friends, sometimes to not quit is enough. Sometimes that's exactly what we need, isn't it? The strength to know that we don't, we don't have to quit today. We don't have to throw in the towel today. God's mercies are new each morning. This came in my inbox like a week and a half ago, this idea of keep not quitting. And it was so simple and yet profound. And so I wanted to share it with you just in case there's one or two who needed to be reminded today that it's enough some days to just not quit. What that looks like in practical terms is to keep loving the unlovable. You know who they are for you. Keep praying. Mm. Sometimes we see prayer, like I said, as the consolation prize. Oh, friends, it's not. It's not just that when you don't know what to do, you pray. It's that because you know exactly what to do and you know the power that you are tapping into, that you pray. It is an action. Praying is an action. I pray, you pray, we pray. Those are all complete sentences. And pray is the verb. Don't underestimate what God can do through the power of prayer. Understand that for I don't, this, this building, on this corner, this room, every single one of us here, every single one of you watching online, this preacher, this uh, band, everyone who's involved in this service today, we're not here but for the power of prayer. We don't even know what God is up to when we pray. Keep praying. Keep hoping. Keep hoping and hold tight to faith. And if I could be so bold as to add one more, because this is kind of how I'm wired, I would add to this. Keep seeing beauty. Keep seeing the beauty in the world around you that God has given to us. This is Raccoon River Park right in the middle of West Des Moines. Can you even believe that we get something that beautiful? There was a harvest moon this week. Did you catch it? It was incredible. Keep seeing beauty because this beauty that we see, these are glimpses of our God who sees us and loves us and says to us and reminds us, the kingdom of heaven is with you. You get to see glimpses of it. You get to see glimpses of the ways that, the, that everything is going to be set right. You get to see glimpses of that. You also get to see glimpses of how incredibly beautiful it is. You see that? Do you like that, God says? Because if you like that, you ain't seen nothing yet. And not just in the glory and the beauty that God gives us, but in the mercy and the love and the peace that he gives to us in understanding that, yes, the kingdom of heaven is here. We get to see glimpses of it. And also, it is going to be a day where every longing is, is met. It's going to be a day where every tear is, is dried. There will be nothing that continues to be unsolved or undone. It will all be finished. Friends, here's what's incredible about this while we wait, while we cry out how long, in the middle of asking how long. When we say yes to Jesus, we say yes to the kingdom of heaven. 
And when we say yes to the kingdom of heaven, get this, we get to stand in this place with Jesus between the darkness that the world is in love with and the light of Jesus Christ. When we say yes to Jesus' death and his resurrection, we get to stand in that gap for people who are desperate to see what the kingdom of heaven might possibly have to offer them and that there actually is another way. There actually is another way to live that is beautiful and glorious. And you know why? Because it's the kingdom of heaven. (laughs) We get to join with Jesus saying yes to him, saying yes to the kingdom of heaven and offering that to the world around us. Can you even believe that? Talk about inconceivable. But that's what we're called to do. That's who we're called to be, to be reminded that because of Jesus' death and resurrection, there is no battle that will not be won. Because he's already done it, and it wasn't even that hard for him. He just did it. So as we close today, we are going to consider that we will see a victory, friends. We will see a victory. This battle that we feel like we might be fighting against the world that prefers darkness more than the light, this is God's battle. He is fighting it. He just invites us to stand in that space with him so that the world can see real faces of what that might look like in the kingdom of heaven. We get to be a part of that today. And so I invite you to stand. The bad's going to come up. We are going to declare victory because victory is ours through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.